It's time to get inside the Giants huddle. Huddle up, huddle up, huddle up. On Giants.com. Here we go, here we go. And the Giants mobile Get them in there, let's go. Part of the Giants podcast network. Welcome to another edition of the Giants Huddle Podcast. My name is John Schmelk. Today, we're joined by former NFL quarterback and now analyst for CBS Sports. That is Trent Green. As a reminder, the Giants Huddle Podcast is brought to you by PSEG, energy efficiency for game time and anytime. Visit PSEG.com slash Giants for discounts, rebates, and home energy assessments. Catch Trent alongside Kevin Harlan and Melanie Collins as the Colts take on the Giants this Sunday on the NFL on cbs he has the call one o'clock kick trent good to see you man how you doing hey john i'm doing i'm doing great it's uh you know it's always exciting this time of year uh especially when you're in the playoff hunt and that's exactly the position that the giants have found themselves so we've uh kevin and melanie and i we've, we've been really fortunate to have some good games this year uh as as is the case around the entire nfl there's been a lot of close games and we've been fortunate to have a lot of those games uh and which which obviously makes it makes it a better broadcast. Yeah, absolutely. And we're going to dig into the game a little bit. First, I want to start with with Daniel Jones Tremps. I love talking to guys that played the position and getting their take on on some of the contemporaries now that are doing it. I'll start big 20,000 foot view. Your take on what Daniel Jones has done so far this year. Well, I think I think it's he needs to be commended. Number 1, uh, you know, being that he's in his fourth year, he's had multiple head coaches, multiple offensive coordinators, had to learn multiple systems. It's not the ideal way you want to enter the NFL and, and try and get yourself established and, and have long-term success. So, number one, I give him credit uh, for being resilient and and continuing to work and, and work on his craft while also trying to, to learn a new offense and a new coaching staff. So, uh, let's start with that first off. And, and then, you know, secondly – I can see steady improvement. Uh, I think the glaring one that I think a lot of Giants fans want to talk about is uh, he's protecting the football better, uh, both in the pocket, whether it be a, a sack fumble, sack strip, where they where they get the ball loose. Uh, from an interception standpoint, he's protecting the football. I know he had one last week, but it's, it's really uh, – I, I think he's done an outstanding job of, of protecting the football. Uh, the other thing is is uh, he, he continues to, to use his legs. And uh, I think if you look around the league and you look at the top quarterbacks and you look at who's able to extend plays, not necessarily always run and take off, which he does a really good job of, uh, you don't want to take too many hits in this league. Um, So I think he's done a good job of extending plays, using his feet when he needs to. Uh, You know, I I was joking around with him this week that, you know, he lowered his shoulder a few times. And and I I know coaches get a little scared when they see their quarterbacks do that. I said there's a time and place, and it seems like he's figured that out. You know, if you got to get a big first down, if you got to keep the clock running at the end of a game, if you're trying to score, you know, those are times where, you know, it, it may be okay to put yourself on the line, uh, but your team's relying on you, and, and uh, you know, the quarterback position is such a vital position. So I, I think there's a lot of things that he's doing well. I think he's really adapted well to what Mike Kafka and Brian Dable want, uh, want out of a quarterback, and I think he's made those adjustments. I think they've formulated the offense to what suits him well, what he's good at. Uh, if you look at Kafka's background, being with Andy Reid and what they're doing with Mahomes, it's a it's a little bit different style than that. And if you look what Dable did with Josh Allen in Buffalo, it's a little bit different than that. It's kind of this hybrid thing. And and uh, so I commend both coaches for for putting together a system that Daniel can have success with. And um, I just see I just see a lot of good things out of him right now. And and he's progressing well in his fourth year. And uh, uh, and it says a lot because of how many changes he's had around him. 
Yeah, and then Trent, I think, you know, fans look at the touchdown totals and look at the yardage totals through the air, and they're like, oh, they're very underwhelmed. But I think you have to take in consideration, A, the wide receivers around him, and they have a bunch of guys out there that weren't even there in the, in the summer, right. let alone in the spring. Um, and Or know, let alone in the beginning game. of the season. Right, exactly. <laughs> right. You know, these are guys that, you know, right. Isaiah Hodgins showed up in October, right? And, and he's right. like the number he's like the number two guy now. You know, Darius Slayton was an inch away from being cut at the end of training camp. And the, these are his big targets, right? So how do you then evaluate a quarterback when you know, based on what's going on around them, the receivers, the offensive line hasn't protected great, maybe a little bit better than years past, but still not where you want it to be. And they're a running team that wants to give it to Saquon Barkley. So they're not asking him to do the stuff that Mahomes does, throw it 40 times, throw it deep down the field. They're keeping it short. They're protecting the ball. So then how is someone like you who's played the position, how do you then look at a guy like Jones and evaluate how much progress he's making uh, you know, in terms of seeing the field, making quick decisions, things like that, you know, the art of playing quarterback that maybe doesn't show up in the numbers because of what's going on around him. You know, I always get a, uh, I, I, I guess I get a kick out of the fact when people say game managers, right? And, and there's a lot of successful quarterbacks. There's some of them in Canton, Ohio, uh, in the Pro Football Hall of Fame that were really good game managers. And uh, that's your job, right? And And that's really what they want out of Daniel Jones. They want they want the strong running game. They want the really good defense. They want the strong offensive line. They want him to not turn the ball over. If there's a big play, take a big play, but be consistent with the football. High accuracy. Uh, his completion percentage is outstanding. I mean, that's what they want out of the quarterback. So as a quarterback, do you think Daniel Jones would rather throw for 5,000 yards or throw for 3,000 <laughs> yards? Believe me, any any quarterback wants to throw the ball all over the field. That's just our nature. We want it, We want to, We want to fling it every play. Um, but I think he's done a good job of understanding what they're asking of him and, uh, and executing what they're doing. Now, do I think that uh, if they ultimately resign him, do I think that, do, do I think that it expands and grows and continues? I, I think all those things are, are very real. When you're putting in a new system, you've got new players around you. Um, that's the amazing thing that the Giants have been able to do here in year one is, is what they've accomplished, and, uh, and they're, they're right on the verge of it. Obviously, they got to get the win. Um, to get into the postseason, but I don't know if anybody thought in year one that this would this would take place and, and that Daniel Jones would pick up the offense as quickly as he has and the people around him would pick it up as quickly. So uh, I think he's managing things exactly how Mike Kafka and Brian Dable want him to. Yeah, so I guess then my follow would be if the production gets better, if they get a couple of receivers in free agency or the draft, right, and they do ask him to do a little bit more, do you see it in him where if he gets better pieces around them and the role kind of expands that he can be a guy that can jump a couple tiers in that quarterback ranking in terms of production and, and really being the motor of a team? I do see that, but it's only if they ask him to do that and need him right. to do that based on what the team is. I mean, it may be, you know, Hey, we want you to throw for 33 to 3,500 yards. We don't care if you have 4,000 or 5,000 yard seasons. We need a 33 to 35. We'll take an extra five to 700 on the ground running because you have that type of ability. You have the arm to, to be able to throw the deep ball if you need to, but this is what we want out of you. And, and if it ultimately becomes, hey, we're evolving into this. And if you think about what happened up in Buffalo, uh, because that'll be our reference point with, with, with uh, Brian and, and, and what he did with Josh Allen. Josh Allen's first year in the NFL, I think he was about a 52, 53 yeah. complete percent guy. And then the next year jumped to maybe 57. And then all of a sudden he had the big jump into the 60s. And then 
Now we're talking about him as an MVP candidate and, and what they've done up there the last couple of seasons. So uh, am I ready to put uh, Daniel Jones in, in that category? No, but I've seen the progress. And I think uh, if you can see in year two, year three, and what they surround him with, you know, think of the jump that uh, Josh Allen made when the Stephon Diggs trade happened. I mean, that just kind of opened that whole offense up. I mean, it, it, you know, Gabe Davis is your big guy down the field. You got you had Beasley at the time underneath, underneath, and now he's back. I mean, you had all these different layers, but when they added that uh, that attack weapon in, in Stephon Diggs, that's really when that offense evolved. Now, uh, you know, it remains to be seen what the, what the Giants do from a personnel standpoint and how they evolve the roster. Uh, but I think uh, I think Daniel Jones is in a good position, and I think the team should feel confident with what they've seen from him this year. Yeah, and I guess in the final question is more of a quarterback philosophy question, right? You know, you do most of your games in the AFC because you're with CBS, obviously, right. and you you have all the supermen in your conference, right? You got Josh <laughs> Allen, you got Patrick Mahomes, you got Lamar Jackson, you got Joe Burrow. I mean, these guys are the top of the top of the top. So I guess the question then is, in the modern-day NFL, do you have to have one of those top of the top of the top guys to compete for Super Bowls, or is there still room in a window to do it a different way, I guess would be my question. Well, I, I think there is. Uh, I think, you know, the teams that jump out, right, have had the big number guys in recent years, right? It's, you know, Brady with big numbers, Rodgers with big numbers, Mahomes with big numbers, Stafford a year ago with big numbers, uh, you know, Burrow with big numbers getting to the Super Bowl. I mean, th- those are those are the guys that jump out. But what do all those guys have around them, yeah. right? It's like think of the wide receivers that Joe Burrow's throwing to and, and think of, uh, you know, Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, Tyreek's gone. But then they bring in Juju Smith-Schuster and, and Marquez, Marquez Valdez-Scantling. And, you, and by the way, you, you have Travis Kelsey still. So, I mean, it's, it, you think of the guys that they're throwing. Matthew Stafford, you know, with Cooper Cup and Odell Beckham and, you know, on down the list of what they have there. I mean, so you have guys surrounding. And, and I, think, uh, I think the potential's there for Daniel Jones. And I think that uh, eventually they'll probably get to that point in time um, with what they do with their roster and their salary cap and what they decide to do from that standpoint. But uh, yeah, is the potential there? Definitely. Um, you know, is, is it a finished product? By no means. Great. Chad. And let's talk about the game here coming up on, on Sunday. And, you know, you look at the Colts record, you look at some of their statistics and, you know, biggest point differential or lowest point differential, I should say in the league, uh, their record's not great, but if you take a deeper look into the team, I've been telling people all week, this is probably going to be a close game because the Colts defense is really good. And the fact that their defense is doing as well as it is, given the fact their offense is continually putting them in these bad situations, whether it's three and outs or turnovers, the defense is keeping them in games. And the Giants are not this, you know, high scoring, chuck the ball down the field type of offense. This is probably going to be a tight game just because that Colts defense, and by the way, their special teams too, are both so good. Well, and I think that's why they've survived and why they've done as well as as, as they've done. I think uh, if you look at Gus Bradley, it's it's he's a defensive coordinator, and and that's you know he doesn't like giving up big plays. He likes to keep things in front. He'll mix up some zone. He doesn't bring a ton of pressure. But when you have you know DeForest Buckner up front, you don't have to bring a ton of pressure when you have a guy like that. So, um, you know, I, I think that's what they've done. They've tried to keep it. Cl- they know what their personnel is, um, and and so they just try and keep it close. Now they. You know, they had the big blowout loss, um, you know, a few weeks ago against Dallas. But, you know, most of the uh, most of their games have been close. have been, you know, going to the fourth quarter, been final, um, you know, final uh, quarter types of games. Um, you know, last week wasn't pretty at all against the Chargers. 
uh, with Nick Foles getting the first start, but now having a, you know, a second opportunity to start it re- remains to be seen how that'll go. I think it hurts him a lot not having Jonathan Taylor. You know, the guy led the league in rushing a year ago, so that's a, that's a big miss. But uh, the defense and special teams definitely keep them in games. And um, you know, this is I, I anticipate a very similar uh, similar type of game because that's what they want to do. They know what their team is, and and that's what they're going to try and do is just keep it as close as they can and and try and pull one out at the end. Yeah, and the Giants aren't running away from anybody either, right? Like that that's not the way they've played game. Every one of their wins has been a one score game this year. So I'm with you, Trent. They I like they like the be... one score games. Everybody in the NFL likes these one score games. It's like, what's going on? Yeah, I know. It's it's just funny the way the league's been this year. Scoring's down. I think that's kind of lent itself to just being a little bit tighter. Uh you mentioned Nick Foles, second game. I think we, you know, and I think they were joking about it on, on Monday Night Football or uh, when they played, how they kind of gave Nick Foles, if he wants you to throw it down the field, you know, type of thing. And boy, he tried to throw it down the field. Didn't work out probably the way they were hoping. But how do you yeah. see him now going into a second start? He's probably a little bit more comfortable. They have some decent weapons outside, right? They got a couple tight ends that can play. They got some wide receivers that are big and fast, depending on who you're talking about, you know. How do you see this working out with Nick Foles, and, and what do you think the Giants can try to do against him to to slow him down in that passing game? Well, I, I think a lot of it's going to come down to what Wink Martindale decides to do and what that defense decides to do. Because oh, he's going to blitz because he always blitz. Yeah, that's, he, oh, that's the, all he does. So that so that's the thing when you when you see that Foles was sacked as many times as he was a week ago, and you see how many sacks total um, that that offense has given up, whether it's Matt Ryan or Ellinger or or, uh, or Foles, um, they're going to put heat on him. And uh, it's going to be up to Foles to get the ball out of his hands. So um, that offensive line, I, th- I think that's the that's one of the most confusing things going on uh, in the NFL because there is so much talent, not only Pro Bowl talent, but all pro talent on that offensive line. And they've been compensated very, very well. So if you're the Colts, um, there's got to be some frustration with how that offensive line is played. But um, to your point, I think Foles will be better this week than he was last week. I don't know. I don't know if he could play play much worse than what he did a week ago, um, but I think they'll try and protect him better. They'll try and get the ball out of his hands quicker, and uh, you know try and get better production out of it than what uh, than what they did a week ago. As you've studied the Giants this week, both sides of the ball, we talked about Daniel Jones. What else kind of jumped out at you on tape? You know, you 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 don't do many Giant games with CBS, so maybe things you didn't suspect. You watch, you're like, oh wow, that guy's really playing some good football. Wow, they're doing this. That's pretty impressive. What are some of the things that have kind of jumped out at you as you as you've studied the Giants in preparation for this game? Well, I just, I just think for a first year head coach, how uh, how guys have responded to him uh, on both sides of the football. You got new offense and defensive coordinator. I mean, it's it's to see guys playing hard, to see the effort, to see the execution, just to see the adjustments they've made with the injuries they have. You know, a lot of teams would would fall apart uh, with some of the injuries that the Giants have had to to deal with and and the guy I'm going to point out is is kind of the obvious one that's Saquon you know I remember you know his rookie year and I remember you know early in his career just how dominant of a player was and then then the injury happened and it's it's takes some time I mean um both of my legs put together don't equal one Saquon (laughs) Barkley quad (laughs) um so it's like when you consider how big and how strong his legs are and, and how much he relies on that uh, there's going to be a, a little bit of recovery time for that. And so uh, when I turned on the tape the last couple of weeks and seeing him make the cuts, seeing the 360 spin moves, seeing the, oh, I'm going to jump over the pile. But when I land, I'm not just landing hard. I'm landing on light feet, making a cut after the I mean, it's like you see it and it's like, 
now he now you you, you kind of you see those flashes to to pre-injury and uh you know that puts a smile on my face because I'm a guy that, that dealt with a bunch of a bunch of knee surgeries and had to go through a bunch of that and um so I know the work that went in for him and and to see him back playing at the level he's playing uh just as a tip of the cap to to, to the hard work that he put in Giants fans, you want to go to the game on Sunday, go to Giants.com slash tickets. Limited seats are available. Go purchase your seats. Um, and, of course, if you want to check out more Giants content, download the Giants TV app. It's free for free on Roku, Apple TV, all those other streaming uh, services. All right, Trey, a couple things about the Giants defense. If you're a quarterback and there's a guy like Dexter Lawrence at nose tackle constantly in your face, how does that impact you as a passer? Because he's just been a, a wrecking ball. I mean, poor poor Schlotman last week. He's been there for Bradbury. He didn't have a damn chance in that game. How does that impact an offense and a quarterback when you have a guy like that just constantly pushing the inside of that pocket? Well, I was fortunate to to have some really good offensive lines and, and uh, Hall of Fame-type players. And, and I remember having the conversations with them, conversations with my offensive line coaches, conversations with my offensive coordinators. The thing is, a quarterback has a pocket quarterback, which which I will I will say Nick Foles is. He's not a guy you're going to get. You'll see some boots and nakeds and kind of get him out in space, uh, but for the most part, he's a pocket guy. For a pocket guy, you want to be able to step up in the pocket, right? If if you get your edges, I always used to tell. Uh, it, it was funny. Willie Rope one time told me he's like, "Don't worry about me ever getting beat inside." I'm going to let the guy go around to the outside, but the quickest way to get to you is through the inside. So I'm going to have that that inside gap always protected. And then when you have the ability to step up, um, that's what a pocket guy wants to do. He, he wants that kind of to stand in there and stand tall and, and make progressions, go through reads and make throws. So um, to your point, it's very difficult for a pocket guy if you can't step up uh, because that center or guard is pushed back into your lane. And then all of a sudden that's when you try and slide up and the guy, your guy's right next to you and he falls off and gets the sack. Right. And so, um, that's a, that's a real problem and, uh, and will continue to be. All right. And then last question on the giants. And I'll ask you a generic playoff question. If you're a quarterback and you're facing Wink Martindale and the way he brings pressure, which we alluded to earlier, and there's, you know, we saw him play in a, in a big third down in the Vikings game winning drive last week, he went zero coverage against Justin Jefferson. He caught the out for whatever it was 20 yards. And that got the first down eventually led to the field goal. If you're a quarterback and you're constantly looking at those variable fronts with different guys standing up, he shows blitz from the left and he comes from the right. He does all these different things. What's the best way, in your opinion, as someone that I'm sure had games against Rex Ryan and all these other guys that did the same sort of stuff, how do you best attack something like that? And and what's the best way to deal with that if you're a quarterback? I have Justin Jefferson on your roster. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think uh, I think the best the, the way that I always liked it, and, and this probably was later in my career once I kind of figured out the game a little bit and, and coverages and, and how I wanted to attack teams. I always was a fan of get as many guys out as possible. That was that was kind of a Mike Martz philosophy um, that I really bought into, and then Al Saunders we brought it in, you know, to Kansas City and. Uh, if you get a bunch of people out, then it's then you leave it up to me to pick that matchup. What's best? Um, you're going to take some hits. I mean, that's that's just part of the position. Um, you know, the other philosophy is you know two tight ends, chip the back, only two guys get out in a route. Uh, that's okay every now and then, um, just to kind of change it up for the defense. But I'm more of a fan. Hey, get the guys out and and leave it up to me to find that guy that I want one-on-one because you're not going to be able to match up everybody 
and uh, take advantage of whatever that weak, weak link may be. No question about it, Trent. And I guess final question now, as we head towards the playoff picture here with, with a lot going on here, aside from the teams we know are the dominant teams in the league, right? You got the Buffalo Bills, you have the Kansas City Chiefs, you know, in the NFC, you got the, the Philadelphia Eagles, the 49ers. What are some of the teams that maybe teams aren't, people aren't talking about as much that you think could make some noise here? You know, if you want to maybe put the Bengals and Niners in that top group, you can. But what are the teams that you're keeping an eye on down the stretch that you're like, hmm, maybe this team could surprise people and really make some noise here in the postseason if they get there? Well, I think as uh, Giants history has shown, if you get in the dance, <laughs> you can always you can always have a chance. And, and uh, if I remember right, is it your last two Super Bowl champions were nine and seven going into the playoffs, right? Didn't they? I know yeah, the last some, one was yeah, nine I think, and seven. I think one but, was 10. I think one was 10 and six, but yes. Yeah, so uh, it's just getting into the dance. And, and teams talk about it all the time. Uh, I'm kind of (laughs) avoiding your question directly as far as specific teams. (laughs) Um, I, you know, as a player, we always talked about just getting the dance, just getting the dance, just getting the dance. And then if you're on a really good team, you want to get into the dance with some momentum. And if you're on a team that's just kind of tweak, you know, just trying to stagger in there, you know, you're going to go in with momentum because you've had to win throughout the last four games or had to win some games to get in. So uh, I think all of it is, is really about who's hot at the right time. Um, you know, the, the top heavy, right? It, it's top heavy between, you know, Cincinnati, Kansas City and, and the Bills and the AFC. Um, any of those teams that make it in are, are going to have an opportunity. But I think that's it's top heavy. And you look at the NFC, as you said, Philly and San Francisco, Dallas, some people are saying, but I don't whatever it is about that. I'm not completely sold on that yet. Uh, I got to see more out of the Cowboys. But um, for me, it's about getting in. If you get in. And you're hot and you're rolling, you know, it, it's crazy how uh, how things can happen because nobody would have predicted uh, that the Bengals made it all the way to the Super Bowl a year ago. Even though they had all that talent, they they weren't they weren't up one of the, you know, they had to win all that stuff on the road. So um, had to go into Tennessee and get a big win, had to go into Kansas City and get a big win. So um, it's about getting in the dance. I think I think that's the main thing. And, and that's what the Giants have an opportunity to do this weekend against the Colts. And um it'll be it'll be fun to see that and then final question Trent, real quick in these winning your in games how how does the pressure affect players you know as 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 a guy that that that's never done it you get into these big games where a lot of the guys haven't been in these situations in the nfl at least where you're winning you're in what are some of the impact that actually has on, on the field what do players have to do so that you know it doesn't impact it dable's all week has been the mantra it's just another game we gotta win he's not making this a big deal but as a player how is it different you know, I think it's I think it's this week is going to be a little bit different for the Giants in terms of yeah, it's never happened, but it's not like it's week 18 and you have to win this week to happen. I mean, they have they have a little bit they have a little bit of a cushion and that's due to the to the win over Washington uh, a couple weeks ago and and the fact that uh so I th- I think it takes a little bit of that pressure off. I think you never want to go into the last one saying, okay, we have to do it now. And you have no idea, uh, you know, what's going to happen in that final game. You know, is Philly going to play everybody? They're not going to play everybody. They already have the one seed. You know, you don't want to go into that. You you want to – coaches and players are all about, you know, control what you have control of. And and I think this week they have they have the control of that. And, and next week, um, you know, I, I think they want to get it done. So to answer your question, I think there's a little less pressure because they do have one more week. Uh, so I anticipate them going in and playing very loose and having fun and just trying to uh, 
do what we've seen them do all season. It, it'll, it may be close. It's as you pointed, all eight wins are one score wins. Uh, but, uh, but I, I don't anticipate like any nervousness or any hesitation on their part um, because they do have a little bit of a buffer. Go check out Chenk Green alongside Kevin Harlan, Melanie Collins as the Colts take on the Giants at MetLife Stadium this Sunday on the NFL and CBS kickoff at 1 o'clock. Trent, this is awesome. Thanks so much for the time. It was great catching up with you again. Hopefully we'll see you at the stadium on Sunday and again real soon. That'd be great, John. Good talking with you. That's Chenk Green. We thank you for joining us in this episode of the Giants Huddle Podcast. We'll see you next time, everybody.